What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning into the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support the podcast in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. It only takes a few minutes. And uh, appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. It only takes a few minutes and it, uh, it helps propel the podcast into the tops of those iTunes charts, which helps strangers find the podcast and uh, just gives it more visibility on the uh, national and international level. A great way to contribute to the sustainability and growth of this thing. You can also check out the Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel, which features a bunch of in-studio performances and live show performances. And DanCablePresents.com is the central location to find everything. The new episode always pops up there every Friday. Um, Or you can just hit subscribe wherever you're listening to, and then uh, you don't have to go looking for the episode every Friday. It will just pop directly into your feed, and you will know when it's available. So just uh, just do that and make it easy on yourself. You can also follow me at Dan Cable Presents on Instagram. Stoked to get into this episode. We got episode 205 with Blue U. Sat down with Andrew Harrison and Keisha Dower and uh, talked about this project that Andrew... Uh, kind of came up with the concept for about a year ago and I have been uh watching the uh the evolution of this thing over the last year and and seeing it uh put into motion which has been very cool and seeing bring Keisha on board to the thing has been awesome cuz I was I was there the first night that these uh these two people met at a uh Kiki and the Dowry Hammerhead show right after I started hanging out with uh, with the Hammerhead fellas after they came on the podcast I think episode 4 maybe 5 was uh, when they came on and when I met Andrew for the first time and started hanging around with him and Tyler a lot and uh, that first show that I went to go see him I believe Maybe second show was uh, this show that they were playing at the Laurel Thirst Pub here in uh, in Portland, Oregon, and Kiki and the Dowry were on that on that bill, and that was uh, when we uh, when Keisha became part of our community of people here. So um, yeah, it's just been been really cool to see what Andrew has done with this project and and to hear Keisha's contributions to the thing has been 
super rad so i'm stoked to uh to share some tracks off of that and uh the discussion that we had about the project and we will get into that momentarily i do want to shout out one calendar date as far as local shows here on march 15th this is all pending uh whatever is going on with the coronavirus and and uh what what events are able to happen still but if all is on you should find yourself at ron tom's on sunday for the sunday session march 15th camp crush and tents are playing that's going to be a really cool show if it's still going on and i know a lot of things are up in the air because of that so uh if if it's if it's a happening ron tom sunday sessions always free and always some pretty awesome lineups over there so that's going on this coming sunday march 15th other than that april 10th i believe is the uh the house show the uh the unveiling of uh the first ever live performance from blue u and that is happening at andrew's house and that's going to be dope because uh jacob miller who's an incredible singer songwriter is on that bill is uh as well as dead lee so that's going to be a really awesome show um looking forward to that but uh it's no hot take but this coronavirus shit is getting pretty wild and just a few days ago i was kind of thinking it was a lot of hysteria it was obviously seeing that you know it was making an impact but uh now it's it's really buzzing around and things are getting progressively more serious nba and nhl seasons have been suspended the major league baseball has decided that they're canceling the rest of spring training and pushing back the the start day for opening day and uh i think the first big indication to me that this thing was really serious was seeing south by southwest getting canceled and uh that was a bummer i know a lot of people that were heading out for uh big showcases this year including uh past guests of the show high pulp and melody federer balto um karma rivera a bunch of a bunch of people that have been on the show and 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 some friends as well that were heading out there but yeah seeing like big events like that getting canceled and then starting to see larger acts you know band like pearl jam canceling a tour i saw adam sandler was canceling his thing today everybody's canceling their uh their tour runs at this point so it's crazy to kind of see things get locked down a little bit and 30-day bans on travel and here in portland oregon in a lot of places there's 30-day bans on on gatherings of uh, uh people 250 plus so crazy shit happening definitely um i know a lot of people are seeing the effects of this in their their day-to-day work um and i know one of the the big things impacted by this are you know the food service and and entertainment industries such as music and uh, i know a lot of bands right now are feeling the effects of of having their their tours canceled a few shows in and um or maybe tours that are about to supposed to start in a couple weeks that are just being 
completely canceled and and uh it is a bummer to see because i know a majority of those people really rely on uh, those ticket sales to to feed themselves and in some cases their families so the thing to do right now i think if you're a a music supporter or supporter of the arts these people that are having to kind of cancel their tours and seeing some of their income fall by the wayside i think this is kind of the time if you've been thinking about buying a t-shirt or buying a record from one of these bands that's how you can probably help them out right now so some of that that money is uh is not lost so i would encourage you to uh to do something like that if there's a, a band that you follow and uh you dig what they're doing and you see that they're uh struggling kind of through this then uh, do something like that. And then also, you know, the food service industry, obviously people are uh, not heading out to, to, to hang out in restaurants or bars as much. So, you know, hopefully we can find a way to support those folks as well. Maybe buy a gift card or something that you can use in the future or whatever. But um, yeah, it's just crazy to see the, the day-to-day effects for, <clears throat> for everyone rather whether it's uh you know seeing the shelves empty at the grocery stores or the bakery i work at is just super slow not many uh people coming in to buy cakes at this time or seeing big orders get canceled because people are you know fearful of going to to large gatherings and uh it's crazy shit so stay safe you know try to not get infected and try not to freak out about it if you can hope y'all are uh staying safe in the uh coronavirus era of uh of the world and uh for now we're gonna escape into this conversation that i had with andrew and keisha and both of them have been on the podcast many times before so it was a it was a very nice casual hang with the two of them and uh i'm stoked for this music to come out and it's not even out yet it actually doesn't come out till next week on on the streaming services and whatnot so i'm stoked that that andrew allowed me to uh kind of more or less premiere a few of these tracks through the podcast and um just really grateful for this dude's friendship i hang out with him a lot and um we do this other podcast that we started uh, a little while back called Bible Buds. It's about five episodes deep. You can f- The sixth episode is coming at you on Sunday. I'm going to put the link in the episode notes for that as well if you want to uh, dive into us talking about religion and theology and a lot of psychedelics. You can, uh, you can tap into that as well, and I'll put the links in the episode notes uh for for everything else associated with this thing as as well as the uh live video they did a little live session in andrew's living room for one of the jams brush my teeth which will feature later in the episode um so that that is out and about and that's uh we also recorded this podcast in his living room and you should also check out kiki in the dowry because uh keisha Write some uh, some pretty great tunes, and her voice is incredible. And this collaboration, I think, 
came out really cool. So we're going to dive into the thing. Um, also, shout out to my friend Ryan Amato, who played drums on this thing, a friend of mine for 25 plus years. So it's it's really rad that he got to be a part of this as well. And uh, I think he was one of the only other musicians to play on this thing, if if not the only. I think Andrew did all of the other instrumentation besides the drums. So um, very cool stuff. We're going to get into it. Blue U is on episode 205 of the podcast. Don't forget to leave your iTunes reviews. Super important. Can't stress the importance of that enough. And uh, the the record, the EP, The Way I Hang My Head from Blue U is coming out on March 20th. So look out for it and uh, enjoy the tracks that we play here on this episode of the podcast. We're going to kick it off with how it was. Let's do the damn thing. If there's a way out, I don't want this anymore. I can't find my way out. Every time I see a door, it vanishes and leaves me scratching my head, kicking at the floor. I need a way out. I want to go back to how it was before. Forget and relearn the suffering 
sets that gets us burnt There is no way out At least not until we reach the final turn thing yeah let's do it it's where it all started not in this living room no but i'm excited that you hit me up about this though because i meant to hit you up about it and then forgot and then i was like oh it's probably too late yeah it was too late (laughs) (laughs) yeah and you didn't hit me up about it then you being the sweetie that you are you were just like hey we should probably do this right i was like yeah that would be really great actually yeah there's no one paying attention to to uh yeah, what this? I don't think a lot of people know that this is happening. It's just a word of mouth thing at this point. So. By your own design, though. Uh, probably, yeah, yeah. I I don't know if it's necessarily by design or just like purely built, born out of like laziness, of like I don't want to build an Instagram and like start promoting a thing because I don't see this project uh, playing live a whole lot, and so I sort of feel like what's the? I mean. Yeah, the whole thing, the whole uh, story behind this was essentially me finishing my home studio and uh, having this Rhodes that I got from Mountaineer Mike and starting to write songs on the Rhodes and then showing those to people and people being like, yo, these are really cool. And I, they, they couldn't be used for Brother Not Brother, um, but yeah, they were interesting. And so then uh, I decided to like kind of pursue a little solo side thing and this was like a year ago um so this thing has been in the works for a while i just never had it you know we'll see we'll see what happens but um i never had it in my mind as like a go out and play live type situation so for sure i feel like that's i don't know you think that changes your approach to things just because you you have been kind of in that camp of you're not putting your whole life into this it's not important to you necessarily to be a career musician and whatnot yeah i mean i think that's part of it i also just think that like the nature of these songs um yeah i don't know i think there's a part of me that like wonders if there's a market for it in portland for this sort of like and maybe there is um but i i think i question whether or not that's true and then also um sorry this fucking sink right now it's very distracting it's, it's not even it's not even picking up so it's fine okay you're the only one that yeah can i know it. but it's picking up in my brain um <laughs> edit that out a little marker right here please do an edit um yeah, I don't know, man. I just think that, like, I, I mostly was, like, I want to just make music for me, and we'll see what happens with it. I want it to be good, but, like, um, yeah, you know, I, I'm looking more for, like, licensing opportunities and things like that as opposed to uh, trying to play live 
as much. And it's never really been my angle the last few years to like try to turn any of my music projects into like a full on money making machine that can support me. Um, but this project in particular has just been sort of like a pure labor of love. Like, yeah, I'm not making it for anyone but me. It's like the music that I would want to listen to, essentially. For sure. And it's been cool to see, like, since you got the studio, just how, since you finished building that thing, it seems like this is, like, what you do with the majority of your time. You've, like, really utilized the space and oh, man, dove deep into it. It's funny that you say that, because I was just having this conversation with David Pollock, who just left the studio. Yeah. Um, and I, I certainly have used it quite a bit, and I've... Uh, I've recorded, you know, 10 or 12, like, professional songs that have been released or are soon to be released and uh, probably, you know, a couple dozen others that are sort of like demos. But um, when I built it, I sort of had in my mind, it was like, you're just going to be in there all the time. And there are lots of times where I'm just chilling on the couch being like, I mean, I should go in there and, like, play drums or play piano or try to record something. And I just don't. There's the first year I feel like there's been an immense pressure to go in there and use it and utilize it. And the pressure has almost been too much. It just paralyzed me into not. But I still did, but like not nearly as much as I would have liked to. I would like to be in there like minimum three to five times a week for at least like 30 minutes doing something, even if it's just like practicing drums. But there are, I'll go, yeah week-long, two-week-long stretches where, like, I don't go in there at all. For sure. But you've also, like, been super kind in, like, opening up the space, too. Sure. Letting some, some folks kind of use it and utilize it that yeah. way, too, which seems to have, like, been pretty important, too, like, from talking to you about that stuff. It's that you, you do want it to, like, share that space. Sure. And you realize how cool it is that you have this thing in your garage now. Right. Yeah, I do. I mean, I feel very fortunate to um, to have this, to have a, a small home studio. And yeah, it's not it's not huge. It's not uh, crazy nice, but like there's cool gear in there uh, and I have some some solid equipment. And yeah, I've, I mean, I come from just like a privileged place of like being able to afford that. And um, yeah, I just like it was sort of my deepest heart's desire when I was building it for like, especially friends within the music scene or people who were sort of acquaintances, but I really loved their music and I knew they didn't have the resources to like maybe go a little bit further to just like, just open it up. Um, and it's been cool to see the response to that. Uh, at least some people being like, dude, this is like a fucking game changer and, and not to like to my own horn, but it's, it's, cool to know that like that's what I wanted it to be I wanted it to be like a playground for really great musicians um that I care about and yeah give them the sort of tools and resources that they need to just like whether it's just laying down a vocal track on a nice mic or um having the space to like mess around with tracking a guitar solo or whatever and not be on studio time it's like those little things where it's just like yeah you shouldn't have to you have uncertain things or things that are going to take a lot of time or you just want to mess around like you shouldn't have to pay for a studio like or pay for studio time to do that you should be able to just like have the room that i have because yeah. i don't use it all the time so yeah it's this dope little lab 
Yeah, exactly. And also a spot where you can exercise your producing and engineering skills and kind of sure. hone that in a bit. Yeah. And it's been very illuminating for me in terms of like how little I know about engineering and mixing. I mean, I know enough to get by and from a tracking perspective, but uh, when it comes to trying to like mix my own stuff, I mean, it's hilarious. The guy who mixes my stuff, uh, his name's Paul Olson. Hit him up. He's great. When he sends stuff back to me, uh, versus like my mix, I'm just like, yeah, I clearly have no idea what I'm doing. Because <laughs> I tried, I tried with that mix, and it's just like, yeah, it sounds horrible compared to the professional one. So it's kind of dope that he's like completely detached from the creative process of it yeah. too. Like, like I've he just never gets it with fresh. I've never ears. sat with him in a room to like while he mixes. I just send him the files, and then he sends me back a mix. I send him notes if I have them. That's that. Yeah, I don't know. It seems seems like it's working. You know, it seems to seems to make sense. What's interesting about that are, are moments where, like, because he's mixed uh, a lot of my stuff this year. He's probably done ten, ten or twelve songs for me uh, between this project and and Brother Not Brother. Um, and yeah, it's interesting when he has a moment where he's just like, "Dude, I really like this one," like sort of out of nowhere. Um, and that's happened a couple times and it's just interesting. I never know which one is going to be the one that he's like, yeah, super grabbed by, but yeah, you're right. He has no, he has nothing going into it. I just send him a rough mix and all the tracks and tell him to go for it. I don't even give him a direction usually. Yeah. And obviously you like do some different rounds of it, but his, it's almost usually in the ballpark that you want it to be that that first time around you feel like he just kind of gets it well it's interesting i feel like he's had a couple and keisha i don't know if i've shared any of these initial ones with you but there are a few that like the first mix he sent me i was like no it's way off but then with my initial notes of saying like these parts need to be way bigger i'm not hearing any of this like blah 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 um, then what he sends me back is like magically like I, I can just think of like off the top of my head like Jack Herrera with Brother Not Brother was like that where the first mix or two it was like no it's like missing all of the grit and then all of a sudden like we gave him enough notes that he just dialed it and then it was like oh yeah this is exactly what we were looking for I think how it was on this EP was sort of like that too like I was looking for these, this sort of like big dramatic ending and really didn't get that on the first mix and was really disappointed. And and because as someone who's tracking it in your own studio, you're like, well, do I not have that because I just like tracked it in a way that it's not possible or what's the situation? And so I gave him those notes and he sent it back and I was like, hell yeah, this is what I was looking for. Um, do you feel like the studio having that in your backyard is just like opened up the freedom for creativity with you. Like with this project, do you feel like you've had the most opportunity to like really hone these songs in since you kind of self-engineered it and self-recorded all the instrumentation for the most part? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it gave me the freedom to um, like rework parts over and over and listen to it back and then be like, ah, it's not quite there. I want to redo it. 
or if you know all of a sudden i just have like a light bulb moment and i'm like oh i hear this like roads part here and i can go in and mess around with it so yeah a lot of these songs i mean it's it's funny to think about it now it's sort of like the bedroom artist who's like yeah yeah i've got an ep but like it's not ready yet it's not ready you know you'll i'll be able to you'll be able to listen to it soon that's not really consciously how I was approaching it, but that's sort of what the vibe was. Is like I just sort of kept going back, for for better or for worse. I mean, I think that there's also a magic to just like making a decision and being like, "This is the song," um, and I think some of these songs like I beat down with, you know, like to the point where <laughs> there were moments where like I didn't even like them anymore because I just was like working on them so hard, trying to get every little part dialed in so perfectly. Um, but it is cool to have that freedom to be able to just do that and to go in and be like, I mean, some of those songs, like I had eight different vocal days. So I would go in one day and be like, I think I'm feeling it. I would do a couple takes and be like, nope, not today. And then I'd leave. And then like, I would try another day and be like, nope, not today until like, and I would know that like one day I'm going to be feeling it. Um, and so, like, this is definitely the first collection of songs I feel like that I've put out where vocally uh, none of the stuff jumps back at me as a listener. Whereas, like, before everything I've ever recorded, there's always at least a moment in the song, a couple moments here or there, whatever, where I'm like, ooh, uh, I wish that didn't sound like that. And this is the first one where, like, I just took my sweet, sweet time with the vocals and they sound, you know, I think as someone who's not like an amazing singer, they sound the best that I could probably do for those songs right now in my life. For sure. I mean, that that's definitely, you've developed a lot like as a singer for sure over the last few years, like after playing a lot of brother, not brother shows and starting to like really get comfortable. Cause I remember you even talking about that stuff of like not being super comfortable as a singer or kind of like knowing that maybe your voice wasn't like didn't have all of the raw talent you know but now over time it just seems like you are super comfortable those those are like the things i would notice a lot like towards the end of the last run of brother not brother shows that you were just super comfortable like behind the mic and and like singing your ass off and like really digging into it so it's cool to see that transfer over to these recordings because I think that is all in there for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think I owe so much to that band and that experience and working with Tyler in terms of just kind of developing my angle as a songwriter, my preferred angle, I guess. De definitely developing my singing voice and feeling more comfortable just as a guitar player. Uh, and feeling like I actually know what I'm doing and that I'm not just winging it. Um, so, yeah, super grateful for the, you know, hundreds of shows I played with Brother Not Brother over the years to to kind of hone all those skills. For sure. And I know, like, starting this project, starting the Blue U thing, there was kind of this back and forth for you about what you were even going to do like vocally, whether you were going to sing it all on it or if it was just going to be you. And sure. Just kind of going back and forth on that. Um, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it's true. I felt like I was, what I was trying to do was make a, 
a pretty poppy collection of songs that were going to be sort of sad. Um, but I wanted them to be poppy. I wanted them to be, and I wanted them to have licensing potential. I wanted to be able to just like, you know, maybe get them picked up somewhere. Um, as kind of like a <laughs> sort of a way to maybe recoup my money on the studio or whatever. Um, and I think it wasn't until um, this girl, Ray, who is a great singer and a, and a good musician, but doesn't really do much with, and, you know, she's sort of a living room musician. Um, but she was interested in just kind of collaborating on the first song on the, on the EP, Hard to Say. And yeah, she came into the studio and just like laid down harmonies and when I showed that to people, they were just like, yeah, this is the angle. And when I listened to it, I sort of felt the same way of feeling like, okay, yeah, maybe with like good female harmonies, uh, my voice is like much more passable in a pop setting in particular. Because I think in the in a rock setting, I can kind of hide behind loud drums and, and lots of guitars. And, you know, there's some moments like that on this EP too, but like for a just a straight up piano song. I've never felt like I could do like a piano ballad, you know? Um, so yeah, fast forward all of that to like, I did at one point feel like maybe I was going to try to just have females sing the leads for each song. Uh, and Keisha and I experimented with that. And, uh, but yeah, I, I ended up reaching out to Keisha who, you know, I've played with and, and Kiki and the dowry and had, we've been playing shows for fucking like five years now at this point. I don't know. I feel like when Hammerhead first started, um, one of our first shows was with you. So I feel like we've known each other for a long time, done lots of music stuff together and it was cool. I think we both had some reservations right in the beginning about whether or not like our voices would mesh because you have a pretty powerful voice and I have a very like emo boy voice. And <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I really didn't know whether but they you, would work. But you knew a little bit. I remember you told me you guys went down to Eugene for a Kiki and the Dowry show and oh, yeah. you two just drove together and you told me, you were like, I think Dowry can do this because we harmonized to like Jimmy Eat World and a bunch of other emo pop punk on the way down to Eugene and just like kind of, kind of hearing this, Hell yeah. This different voice, cause and that was like exactly a year ago. That's so funny. Yeah. Cause all of our, well, all of our exposure to you, Keisha, is like hearing you as this powerful, like a front woman, just killing it, super powerful voice. So it is, it is very cool to hear it in a different setting. Cause it's like I've never heard it as just like a backup or a harmonizing vocal, other than you just singing your solo tunes. So it is very rad. Um. Were you into the were you into the tunes when he showed them to you right away, or did it take you a little bit to figure it out what was going on with them? I would say, yeah, I was definitely into pretty much all the tracks that I received. There was one for sure sorted out, which it's been funny to see kind of the growth of that song and the growth of the two of us together. Sure. Um, interacting with this project. But that was the one track that I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I can hear a part. I might need your help thinking of something. You know, like, uh, you're like, we'll figure it out. Uh, which we we'll did. We'll sort it out. We'll sort it out. <laughs> yeah. No, but there was definitely um, a lot of amazing music there to work with. So I was on board. For sure. 
Yeah, and Andrew's done so much for my project. I wanted to hop in and repay that favor in a way. You for know? sure, yeah. I mean, I've gotten a lot of out of this project myself personally. Yeah, and as of I out of yours, you know, I think there is that sort of like <laughs> reciprocal, like I don't play guitar and Kiki Nindari as like a favor to you. I mean, it's maybe maybe I sometimes told you, I told you he would maybe be sometimes about it. I show up to practice as a favor to you. <laughs> <laughs> but like when it comes to when it comes to playing guitar in the band and learning the songs and like trying to find my angle on guitar, like I do it because I love the songs and and I like your music a lot. So um, it was cool to kind of feel that reciprocated back for sure. But it was interesting that the beginning was just. Like, I feel like you were just sort of thrown by the dynamic a little bit. Well, I think a lot of that maybe goes back to just um, stepping away from a personal project and into somebody else's. Me being kind of a baby in that realm and not really knowing so much how to like sit in the wings vocally. Um, do you remember how nervous I was for that first? time we ran through so nervous <laughs> this and is just for a run through we raise bullshit amazing bullshit ray is so talented yeah so um, to try and follow up on and yeah but and what we ended up doing uh is like you basically just sang ray's harmony part because it was so mm. good i mean mm. she just like yeah she nailed she really nailed the it. essence of that song for yeah. sure and i understand i guess the nervousness in that aspect of your like trying to do something new but it's like someone else has already sort of found the exact pocket for it and you're like well what do i build on but i also was very comfortable with being like just sing just sing her part then it's fine yeah it it, it was intimidating to try and tackle that but also like a gift from right. her to give like an easy entry to this sure. project for me and then we kind of figured out our own way after that yeah tune, but yeah for sure. Yeah. Though we definitely had, yeah, there were a couple that were a little more challenging. I feel like what really sort of made the project lock was Brush My Teeth. Mm. Like when I showed that song to Keisha, yeah. which is, that's the last song that I wrote for the project. I wrote it in probably like October. Um, and I feel like when I showed you that song and we sat down in this in this room, we're in my living room right now, um, to just like work on it with my acoustic guitar, like it just was, it was sh shimmering like very quickly. Um, you know, so much so that we decided to do that, that sort of live session for it. Um, but I think that was the moment where we were like, Ooh, I think, yeah, we realized we have something here. At least for me, it was a moment where I was, I felt well, I like texted you when, when I was you perceiving you as like comfortable within the confines of this project. Mm. You sent me that original demo that you had, just you singing. And I was like, damn, brush my teeth. Fuck yeah. I am down with that. I think that's my favorite. <laughs> I think that's my favorite one on the, on the record. Yeah. Me too. That's so good. And I have like, I understand the, the meaning of the brush my teeth thing. Sure. Just from the Pete Holmes thing. I remember you telling me that, yeah. that reference. And I was just like, fuck yeah, Pete. <laughs> yeah yeah so pete holmes has this thing that he likes to say on his podcast where he uh it's just a it's sort of a uh comment on just being in the present moment uh and everything sort of being you know a meditation or a prayer or whatever but yeah he says he says exactly the first lyric essentially which is 
the way that I brush my teeth is the way that I do everything. Um, you just kind of use that as a, a launching I, pad. Just a launching pad, yeah. Because I sort of, the, with the first line, I sort of was trying to tap into like his energy of like, you know, how do I brush my teeth when I'm trying to do it right? And that's why I'm like, you know, deliberate and decisive. Because <laughs> it's funny too for me, like growing up as a kid, I was really bad about brushing my teeth. I was really like against it. Not even from like a, a laziness or procrastination standpoint, but I just like didn't want to do it. Um, and then, you know, I lost a lot of those teeth. I'm talking about when I was like a young kid, obviously. Um, but I did go through a period in college where like I was very depressed, um, where I like felt like I wasn't brushing, like I didn't want to brush my teeth at night before going to bed. And I would usually do it in the mornings. My mouth was disgusting, but it was like weird to me that I was just like so opposed to it. And so now for me, on the other side of that, um, it is one of those rituals where it's like, I never want to do it ever. And it's like, for me, I have to be super decisive every time I do it. It's like a deliberate, decisive move to like, I'm going to do this and like take care of my body. Um, and yeah, it's one routine that like I've built for myself that I, that I do now, you know, super regularly, but, uh, or I guess we could say daily cause that's, <laughs> the, that is the reality. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. It was a, it was an interesting concept for me to kind of work with. And it was something that just sort of like, it's one of those songs that sort of just like poured out of me, like in a sitting, like I actually have a series of voice memos, um, and I just thought it would be an interesting experiment to capture every stepping point. But if you look at the first one to the last one, it's about 35 minutes before the song is done. So the first one is me literally just toying with the, the initial verse. Um, and then the rest of it is me like continuing to figure out lyrics and phrasing and then like finalizing the chorus, adding additional parts. And yeah, it's like between 9 p.m. and like 9.36, and that's the song. Um, and then obviously a ton of stuff happened like in the studio with me adding little musical elements, but the structure of the song and the melody and like all of the like harmonic structure was there um, in like a single sitting. Um, and it was kind of a cool experiment for me to record. I think I probably have like eight or ten um, little voice memos of me recording like the progress of me writing it just because I'd, I'd sort of already started doing it because it was all, all happening so fast and I was just really conscious about like it's very fresh I don't want to lose it and so I just kept that all the way through um, and now like I can go back to it and kind of see like the pure evolution of this song in a very short time frame um, and yeah it's interesting for sure very cool well I was going to kick it off with brush my teeth but I feel like this is a great spot to put that tune in the in the podcast here. So we'll cool. just jump into that that song now. I know the way that I brush my teeth is the way that I Decisive, forgetful at times and sloppy 
if I have been in the wine I know the way I treat the cashier is a sign Of all the things I hold dear Compassion, kindness, patience and love But sometimes I fall short What's that a sign of? you started recording a few songs with this dude did it did it start to kind of click in for you like what your your role would be in the project and trying to figure out that dynamic <laughs> and as you got more attached to the songs how do you like kind of have to like dial back maybe your attachment to it because you kind of know that it's andrew's songs and he like just as far as like playing that role of just trying to serve the song without maybe getting every one of your opinions heard in each tune? Mm. Wow, that was two really big questions. Yeah, that was a lot. I'm sorry. Right out of the gate. I no. this <laughs> Andrew gave me the I volcano. I that the, po- the microphone can't hear nods. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, first question was, uh, what was the first question? Let's just start with that. Yeah. Like, how long did it take you to... To find the comfort and figure out how to just 
play a role in this thing oh, rather yeah. than like, like take the point, lead. You asked at like what point in the beginning did I start to see like a vision for where where I fit in yeah, to this project. For sure. Um yeah, let's see. Um so we tackled hard to say first. And like we mentioned before, I kind of was just riding off of a part that was already written, which was uh, intimidating yet convenient. Uh, a good, good jumping block. What did we tackle second? I feel like we we tried with sorted out, and it was just like an immediate flop. And I and I didn't have that song super fleshed out yet. So then and I think we... that was the we, one that I was like, ooh, I, I don't know what I... Yeah, I think we sort of... I wanted to brush my teeth, and I was like, yeah, brush my teeth all the way. Yeah, I think we sort of floundered for a little bit until we, like, sat down in here and guess, really, like, hammered out, brushed my teeth, and then in that same session sort of started to figure out, sort it out as well. Brush my teeth, I was a huge fan of the second I heard it, but also it felt good for me because I can really let it wail a little bit. Am I being too loud? No, Is this great. too close? Okay. Um, yeah, I feel like that one you found a harmony right out of the gate that was like really pretty, very interesting, very you that added so much to the song. And so that, yeah. With each track, other than Hard to Say, I think there is definitely a dour touch to it. But, and then your second, or your second question, or the second part of that big question was, uh, was it just how you maybe have to detach from it in some ways with. Do you have, I guess my question is, how do you, like you obviously dig the tunes and you're putting your energy into creating the thing, but it is different from your solo project because you're not like really mm -hmm. calling the shots so much, I guess, in some ways. So is it easy for you to surrender that part and just be it was a part me, of the project? Andrew was super easy in understanding. And I think it probably did help that, we have played music together before for a lot, a long time. Hi, Subi. Hi, cat. Black cat. <laughs> Everyone. Black cat. Um, but yeah. It's not the first time you've been in the studio session together or anything like that. I have a lot of anxiety when it comes to recording in general. Right. I think Andrew was pretty patient with me, but it what it didn't seem hard. It seemed hard for me personally because of like worrying that I'm doing a good job or whatever. But it didn't feel hard like we had battles over ideas or whatever. He was just kind of like, let it rip, let it roll, see what happens. And yeah, it was all pretty natural. It was sort of like, I trust you. It didn't seem hard to me. As in a that vocalist, respect, like to come yeah. in and just lay this down. And I'll let you know if I don't like it. Like, yeah. I'm not afraid to be like, no, that's not it for the song. But again, kind of going back to our conversation about listening to Keisha harmonize with like, fucking emo deep cuts in the car on the way down to Eugene or us harmonizing together on like Jimmy World songs or whatever and feeling like, nah, this is just like, she knows what she's doing. And like this, I think this will just fit. Um, and I can, I can think of so few moments where I was the one who was like, no, I need you to do something different. It was usually you self-policing being like, I don't like that part and me being like, oh, like, I think it's fine. But if you want to try something different. Yeah, this is, that's just, exactly yeah. what the whole thing was. Yeah, I think more than anything, it was sort of getting Keisha comfortable in a studio setting, in a home studio setting where it's like, hey, it's just you and me. And like, it can really just be you and the song. Like, just focus on, you have these headphones on. I'm just here to like run the equipment 
and it's just you just try it. You know, a lot of the songs we would do tons of different takes to try different things. And um, I feel like it didn't take you that long to sort of like snap into that mode of being comfortable with that. Like hard to say it was you were very uncomfortable Right, sort, the first, sort of first feeling like rough. a normal studio session of like, oh, it's like so much pressure and whatever. And I think after that, you started to realize it's like, no, I mean, we can sort of do this as much as we want. There's no pressure. Right. I mean, you can just come over. What's and, kind of fantastic is it. we didn't. It didn't take us that many sessions, and with each session, we kind of both went in not knowing what the fuck was going to happen, and it just kind of, but not over too much time either. It was like. I don't know, a couple hours, and then we banged out like a song and a half or two songs or whatever. Sure. Because how many how many times did I actually come over? Like four? Ah, mm, uh, I don't know. I feel four like or you, five. I know. I feel like you came over maybe like six or seven. Maybe less. I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, the first time you came over, we didn't even do hard to. S- we practiced hard to say. Um, and I then there like- were once or twice where you came over where we didn't record anything, where we were just in my living room, just sort of working stuff out. Mm. But I feel like once we sort of like built the framework, then you would just come over. And like when we went into the studio, after we did Hard to Say, then every other time we were in the studio, it was like we got at least one song like wrapped. That was a nod. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. For sure. So the dynamic just kind of worked out naturally. You didn't have to worry about that too much of like not feeling like your voice wasn't heard or something. No, in, I don't think so. In the production of things or whatever. Um, yeah, and Andrew was always like, don't worry about like p- pulling back. Just like let your voice be natural. Um, we can always dial that down post. Yeah. Whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting too. Like while a lot of this was happening, I was still like in the middle of Keisha coming over and recording harmonies. I was still sort of tinkering with the songs so some of the songs like sorted out i feel like the first version of sorted out i sent you is basically like just a, a kind of shit demo it was super droney that's why i couldn't it's super droney i have all kinds of weird effects going on uh and i like from the version that i sent you to the version that is going on the ep every single part was retracted. so there's not a single thing that remains from that demo i mean a lot of the like guitar parts or whatever are like the same thing. I just retract them with better sounds, less droney, a little cleaner, like a little more in time or whatever and less loose. But it was interesting that like the songs as you were coming over to record them and Brush My Teeth was very much the same way where I was sort of like, as we were working on it, I was sort of figuring out new parts on the guitar and like sort of retracking things and like fine tuning everything. So it's just sort of interesting for me to kind of basically demo my songs and then have someone come in to do harmonies and at the same time be sort of like like trying to figure out the the full arrangement and and finalize them in my studio because a lot of the songs the, the way that they started it was just a demo. Um and I think like hard to say and misaligned or are excluded from that because they're so simple and it's just sort of piano ballad. Um, and those were sort of recorded in like in a moment and captured a very specific moment, both those songs. Um, but all the full band songs were just like 
worked over and over and over and have like upwards of you know 20 tracks on them yeah would you say that like the conception of the songs though all kind of poured out of you yeah i think it was important to me that every song uh you know as a songwriter like you have these moments where you feel like inspiration strikes and and whether you whether that's an entire song or just like a really good melody or a guitar riff or whatever where you feel like that seems authentic to you um it's it's hard to manufacture that it sort of just has to come to you and i think you can sort of manufacture an environment where it can come to you easier by like writing regularly or whatever but ultimately that moment finds you and like you don't get to decide when it comes and it was important to me that this ep was like purely authentic that nothing was manufactured that like pretty much every part was was me feeling some sort of inspiration even if it's just me playing like a little Rhodes line that's like very much in the background I didn't want it to be this like super thought out like thing and it's interesting now listening back I think there are moments in the EP where I'm like oh I wish uh, like there's a moment in brush my teeth where I when the full band comes in for the first time and I'm playing this sort of like chorusy Mac DeMarco riff, um, which is fine. But like now listening back, like I hear other things and I'm just like, Oh, I wish I had done that. <laughs> something, you know, something a little more drastic, something a little more whatever. Um, but it's like, no, that's just what, that's when, that's when I wrote the song. That's when I was working on the song. That's what I was feeling. That sort of goes back to the idea of like, if you have a home studio, it's like, yeah, you could just sit on the songs forever right. and just keep rewriting every part until you think it's the perfect part. There is no perfect part. There is no perfect part. So, yeah, for me, it was important that, like, every musical element felt as uh, inspired and authentic as possible, even if it meant that I knew that, like, it's not technically the best thing that could happen. I could probably think my way into something that is music, you know, technically musically better, but that's not what this is. This is about it being uh, rooted in authenticity, and so I just really had to like sort of embody that and like feel my way through, just letting whatever flow through me when I felt inspired. Yeah, and and when I didn't, like you know, I would either call it for the day or like just not go to the, into the studio at all another advantage of like having your own spot there's not right you're not scheduling these studio days and under these like time constraints and whatnot for so you sure don't have to like that's the shitty thing about like going to a studio one day you might just not be feeling it that day or something or, yeah and then you're in this situation where you're paying dollars for, for this sure. thing that maybe doesn't feel right yeah or you miss something i mean like the vocals that i ended up keeping for hard to say uh are the scratch vocals it's the vocals of me playing piano and singing at the same time when I first wrote the song. But I had played it a hundred times that day because I had just written it and I'm not very good at piano. And so I'd rehearsed it a bunch before I like laid down a scratch. But I remember laying down a scratch. Um, and actually, I probably the scratch vocals on that were separate from the piano. Otherwise, I wouldn't have kept them because there would have been too much bleed. But um, still, like... I remember the vocals I ended up keeping were the vocals from a session that was like, you know, within a week of me writing that song and me trying to like finalize it. And then I, I redid it a bunch of times on a nicer mic 
Um, and I just was like, all these other takes are, they're still good, but like they're missing this, they're missing that element. They're missing that sort of inspired, authentic element, which I think most people probably couldn't tell the difference, but I can. Yeah. Uh, and again, like to go back to sort of the idea of like, I wasn't really making this for anyone else but me, you know? I just wanted it to be, I wanted to make something that I was super fucking proud of. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't really have the thought of like, well, is that what, you know, is there going to be an inconsistency since I'm using a different vocal mic or like, you know, yeah. Is it like, there are a couple of slips on that take, but overall it has this like passion that I really like. Yeah. So I just went for it. And I tried, I tried, some other takes that I had and I was like no it's the OG one that that I want for sure and so then when it came to tracking all the other songs that was the first one when it came to tracking the other ones vocally it was very much a like wait for the moment where you feel like you've got it like you've got it and I and there were plenty of moments where like I thought maybe I sort of did and then I went in there and I tried to track it and I would do like 10 takes in a row and I would listen to them and or bits of them or whatever, but I would I could always feel it as I was singing it. I was just like, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not, because I'm. That's the difference between me and like a really good singer. And I think even a really good singer would would be able to identify with this. But as someone who's like, sort of a you know can sing pretty decent on their best day and is like kind of mediocre on their worst day, like I have to really be connected to my body to like deliver a great vocal performance. And I'm, I know that I'm capable of it, but I can't just like do it like at a snap. For sure. I So yeah, I, that was important to me to like kind of wait for those vocal moments of like, ooh, my voice feels really good today. I feel like I'm, I'm projecting from the right place in my body. I feel connected to it. Um, and I feel connected to this song. And I feel like all those things would come together and that's what I would end up like delivering the vocal performance that I was like, oh, I'm ha- really happy with that one. Yeah, that's a nice luxury to have. Because yeah, Keisha's absolutely. a really good singer, and we've talked about how like you have those struggles of like not being able to just like turn it on all the time whenever you want, like showing up to a show and maybe not like really feeling it that night beforehand, mm-hmm. and like having yeah. that that kind of struggle. <laughs> totally, yeah. Is that is that something that you still struggle with <laughs> regularly? Oh, always. I think so. Yeah. For sure. But um, I'm sure this project will have helped me in some, I don't know yet, coming out of it to to say like permanently if that's like better or worse or the same. But I think I'm pretty, I think that's, I think that's going to be a constant in my life. Yeah. Well, hopefully, but hopefully over time as you do it more and more and hopefully have like more positive experiences like this one, you do get more and more confidence that you're going to be able to just show up to a studio session and not take a while to settle in or something like that or yeah knowing that we did have the space you know whenever we needed it at all hours for as long as we needed it that was really comforting um relieve some of the pressure of it yeah Yeah, because it's like if we have a dead day if we have a dead session which i was having all the time just on my own you know it's like, yeah, we could just we'll just come back and do it another time. Yeah, you're not going in with all these expectations of what's gonna get done that day. Right. 
It's like, I mean, we hope. Yeah. We expect whatever, sure. but it's like, if those expectations aren't met, then it's like, all right, well, no, no big deal. I'm mostly curious at this point because everything up until now has been in the studio, except for like two nights ago, we tried for the first time doing all the songs front to back, just rehearsing them like together yeah. in live time, which was interesting. I I feel like I drive better on, on a live time setting versus like in a studio. So I'm curious to see like how things settle in. I know you don't want to like play out live or do that much, but I think just for you and I and like just to see like what kind of magic has come out of these recordings to put into that kind of live feeling. Cause I do think that we feed off of each other. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think uh, it will be interesting. And we have this, you know, house show books now that, you know, that was my segue into the house show. Uh, <laughs> plug. You know, coronavirus willing. <laughs> oh like, my God. Oh, don't worry. 250 people aren't going to be here at your house. <laughs> right. Not, It'll so. definitely be less so, than 250 Mississippi people. Studios put off all their shows until the 8th of yeah, April and sure. our yeah. show is the, the 10th. 10th. So I was like, so, this is perfect. We're yeah. fine. Uh, we're <laughs> just outside of the zone, but I just do know, like you know, that show we we booked some artists that we really respect and like, and they were sort of reaches for us. Of like, I, I mean, I don't know if they're even going to be available or like they're fairly busy, and and it just happened that like they got back to us like immediately, and we're like, yeah, for sure. And so then now it sort of feels like, okay, well, pressure's on. We haven't really done much with any of this live other than brush my teeth. Um, I have to, like, relearn piano parts. And, um, I mean, some of the songs I was just like, yeah, I haven't, I haven't been, you know, playing that much the last few months. Um, and so some of the songs I was like, I hope I, like, remember fully. Yeah. And I do. I do. As soon as I grab the guitar, sit down on the piano, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course I remember this. But, like, I just I hadn't played it in a while. Um, and us trying to run through it, I mean, it was interesting. Like, some of the songs, we really struggled at first. Like, others were fine. And then others, it was just, like, vocally, I couldn't find my part or whatever it was. So I know we want to – that'll be a small gathering. And it's, it's a fairly low-pressure show. It's It's mostly just sort of a party to celebrate the this EP and and all the work that went into it and the passion that went into it, um, and I wanted to have you know good artists to entertain people to celebrate that with. Um, so yeah, it's it's a low pressure situation, but I still want to do the songs justice and like give them the best performance that I can. Uh, and I think it will be interesting because I know Keisha and I will like deliver an A plus performance. Um, so it'll be interesting what that feels like. <laughs> I know that we will. Keisha's I know that like, we why will. Why are you making guarantees? But I know that we will. I and think we will. I think of course you will. It'll be interesting what that feels like to do will. a full set like yeah. that. Um, and who knows? Yeah, maybe that'll change my mind, and I'll be like, oh, we should we should do this live like a little more than I thought. I don't know. I think if you don't want to do it live, then that's totally okay. But right. I think for, I think it does deserve like a night to be for sure unveiled live. The I agree, whole thing. and I wouldn't be doing this live show if it wasn't for right. Keisha. Well, and I probably I wouldn't say, be if, if you weren't wanting to actually do it. Is what I thought you were going to say. But well, I do want to. <laughs> I I think I do. 
I do want to do it. I think the point is, is that like I didn't, would, I wouldn't have wouldn't realized have. that I wanted to do it if it wasn't for you. You know, like I, because no one would have pushed me to be like, hey, like it's good, it's good enough for this. It's well, worth, it's worthy. Like I have to tell you that, like yeah. here and there, which I understand being on the other side. Sure. I probably wouldn't have. And I've sort of done yeah. that role for you I in know, your band, which is sort of interesting. <laughs> for sure. I've been the sort of voice that's been like, Keisha, these, this is amazing. Like, you're great. I feel like. Let's fucking go for it. Um, I feel like this night's going to go really, really well, as long as the coronavirus doesn't become something out of control. <laughs> but if it serious. does, then we, you know, we'll postpone it. And, and then and also, Jacob Miller is like blowing up on the voice. So yeah. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he might not even be available be by like, the time guys, that fucking concert rolls no. around, which would be fine yeah. and understandable. <laughs> it is a that's a different approach though when you build songs in the studio and then you learn to play your record after the, the yes. fact. It is. It's like a much different thing, but it's cool because obviously you two doing it as a duo, you're not going to have all of the instrumentation for this setting, and that means that. There's a whole different experience too with the live thing that's different than the record, which I think is very cool. So going back to the car ride to Eugene, or the moment of like, oh my gosh, Keisha might be a good fit for this. <laughs> so I'm like, that's what we're. That's what I want to do live stuff for, not to like play shows to play shows, but just because we haven't, I haven't felt fulfillment in that setting with you yet. Gotcha. Sure. I think if we just knock one out of the park, we can. Yeah. Unless you want to play again, but. I'm down. But yeah. That, I mean, yeah. if it goes well, he's going to want to do it again. I don't it's know. Just, maybe. Tough. It's just putting the energy. Like, tough that's not where you want to put well, I mean, the energy. And I mean, it's sort of an interesting transitionary phase right now. I haven't played a show for a little while. Yeah. It will have been over six months between like serious live shows um, for this next one. So I think there's a little bit of anxiety for me of just feeling a little unpracticed. But and it's in your own home. Yeah, then I think that'll be fine. Let him bring the virus. Well, you have a beautiful home, <laughs> but I would be stressed out hosting a party. I'm a little stressed. I like think that. I think it'll be fine. I'm not super worried about it. Um, You're a good host. I mostly think it's just going to be a really fun party and hang with, excuse me, with amazing music and um, yeah, good people and like yeah. I think I'm honestly. Uh, just very excited for it, um, and and thankful for you, because I I really do think I would have just sort of like released this thing under the radar, uh, if it wasn't for you and and you as well, Dan. I mean, I think like without this podcast, like no one would know about. The, I'm not good <laughs> at promoting my stuff, and I didn't really make this to promote it, and yeah. I, I am super proud of it. But like, yeah, you know. I just I don't know how to like push promote myself and get it out there and get people to listen to it. So it did seem like though from someone that's been kind of like known about this since you started toying around with the idea and like laying down the demos that at a certain point you started to take it I don't know. It seemed like something kind of flipped for you where you're like I am going to put this out. Like I'm going to put right. this music out and I am going to say that I did this thing, you know, where I could have totally seen you just not say anything about it with your kind of just a, a more of your goals to maybe see, see if you could get some licensing for it or something like that. It just seemed like sure. at a certain point, maybe 
I don't know, if you started to believe in the project more over time. I know you were always stoked about the songs, and I know that that these are probably some of the most honest, vulnerable, revealing songs that you've ever written. And they come from like a very heavy time in your life of like when they were written. So it was just, uh, it was like, I'm stoked that you're doing a release show and I'm stoked that you're like starting to share that you're putting this thing out because it seemed like there was a time where you didn't really care to do that or you didn't know if you were going to do it. Yeah, I think I was sort of, uh, I was a little wishwashy on it for a little bit and then I'm not sure what, I think I just, I got some kind of confirmation from some important parties in my life um, and realized that, you know, even though they are the song, like, I thought the songs would be great for licensing potential because they are so honest and authentic and, like, they could fit really well into, like, certain dramatic scenes. Um, And that was sort of in mind as I was writing them, like, the sort of cinematic element, at least uh, arranging them. Um, But, yeah, I think I was nervous to put it out because lyrically it's super vulnerable and I'm tackling some of the hardest shit that I've dealt with in my life in terms of, there's a lot of stuff about, you know, mental illness sorted out. is pretty much completely about like coming out of a depressive episode um, and how it was, or hard to say uh, is, is very much about like sort of still dealing with, years and years later still dealing with like coming out of a faith system and uh brush my teeth is is very much about dealing with sort of like kind of existential crisis um and how it was is like very much about uh yeah i guess sort of depression as well and also like a little bit of I wouldn't say nihilism, but I guess just realism of like a a hard moment of being really down and just being like seeing the world as like a dark place and just accepting that it is, it's, you know, it's other things too, but there are times in my life where like, it's just dark for that week or that month or whatever. And it's just like, it's better to just accept that when I feel that than it is to try to like fight it. Um, and then misaligned is like, you know, a heartbreak song. So there's it's a heavy one. Yeah. There's the whole EP is sort of like, if you, if you are paying close attention to the lyrics, um, it's, it's heavy subject matter. And it's also me like not holding back at all. I mean, I'm just, just throwing it out there. Um, yeah. which is, is, uh, is terrifying. I think that was my initial resistance. Um, was feeling like I will be uh, pretty judged as a person for putting this out there and and potentially like very misunderstood by some people because I think a song like, you know, How It Was or Sorted Out could be interpreted by someone who doesn't know me as like borderline suicidal. Um, and yeah, that's hard to know that putting it out there that like there's a way to interpret it that doesn't jive with what I was trying to say. Um, but it's in there and it's a way to read it. So or hear it for sure. Yeah. I don't know, man. I think a lot of it is, uh, 
it's very cool to hear you tap into that and not be afraid to release it and let it fly and just kind of capture like what you were saying with the music too and the vocal takes of just like just capturing all of the authenticity of it and like not worrying too much about the other parts of it for sure yeah i mean the <laughs> like the vocals on misaligned are one take all the way through and it's probably it's probably within three days of when i wrote the song and i wrote the song um like right when i was going through a breakup and I, it was important to me to try, at least try. I didn't know if I was going to be able to, but to at least try to capture those vocals when I was actually feeling those feelings. Uh, and I did. And there are moments, at least for me, listening back, where I can hear, and again, kind of going back to the theme of like, I sort of just made this for me. Um, I can hear my heartbreak in my voice, in the way that I'm singing it. Um, and yeah, I think that's an interesting thing. And for other people that have dealt with heartbreak that maybe will connect with that song, like hopefully that will shine through where they'll be able to tell that like, uh, yeah, I'm not just telling a story. I'm telling my story. Yeah. Do you think that it was easier for you to be open and vulnerable like that on these songs? Because this is, this is kind of like the first project you've put out that are, all of your songs, not to discredit Keisha's contributions to like the actual vocals and everything, but like this is the first time more or less that you've kind of like put out a collection of tunes that are all you songwriting. Yeah, I mean, I've I've done stuff sort of under the radar. Like if you go to my SoundCloud uh, under my name, you you'll find I don't know a dozen solo tunes that I've put out over the last decade. Um, a lot that were from like sort of college era. Um, so, but yeah, I guess this is the first time that I, I was taking it sort of seriously and also had, you know, not like obviously not a huge audience, but like not nobody, you know, it's, I, I don't feel like at this point I'm in a place where it's like, well, nobody cares. There are people who like, are interested in the music that I make and it's a small group but um, I think that might have been part of it is just knowing like you know that they're yeah I wouldn't call it a following but it's just like there have been ears on things that I've played because I've been doing this now for a decade and um, yeah I guess just feeling like for the first time I'm not recording stuff for an empty room or for just my parents to listen to and be like, we really like it. Um, yeah. What's uh, th that sort of changed things. A little yeah. Bit. But still like maintaining that attitude, like these songs are for me, but I hope y'all enjoy this too. Yeah. I'm an artist at the end of the day. Like I want, I want my art to be liked. I'm still a person, but it's very much, I wanted to stay true to that, that thread of like, just making it for me however I wanted, but knowing that someone might be actually interested in that authentic, like, display. Um, but it's still terrifying, because I think musically I didn't hold back in the sense that, like, 
the songs are very poppy. And I think as a songwriter, I have like a lot of poppy tendencies that I usually try to rein in or be a little bit more judicious about the way that I sprinkle them into songs. If I'm, you know, writing something for like more of like a psych rock project, like Brother Not Brother turned into, or even a folk project where it's like, well, I'm going to make them more folky than poppy. Yeah. Um, and I'll sprinkle in a pop chorus or something um, or a, a hook in the chorus that's very poppy, but like the song itself is going to be super folky. Um, yeah, with this one, it was just like, no, there's no bounds or restrictions on any genre. It's just whatever the fuck I want to write. And I knew it was going to turn out like pretty poppy because that's just sort of my tendency. But even that feels vulnerable to me because, I mean, shit, you were one of the people that I remember sending like how yeah, it dude. was to I got and to asking be... you like, hey, like I just wrote this and like here's a demo of it. And I think it's kind of cool, but I'm. I'm worried that maybe it's too poppy. I got to be on the is this too cheesy committee. Yeah, exactly. I enjoyed, I enjoyed it very much. Exactly. Because lyrically and like, you know, sonically coming together, I was worried that it's like, well, with this like very straightforward chord progression and a pretty simple melody and like very on the nose lyrics, it's like, is this landing the way that I think it's landing or is this just straight fucking cheese ball land? Yeah. And... Uh, there's a lot of that in writing this. There, you, I think almost every song suffered from that. But definitely hard to say how it was and misaligned suffered from from me wondering whether or not, like, is this too... And some people probably will think that they are. And that's fine. You can't can't please everybody. But, um, yeah, I, I thought they were cool. But there were there were certain voices that I trusted where it was like, or ears that I trusted where it was like, you know, if I get this back from this person, from Dan or whoever, that it's like, yeah, dude, I don't know about that one. Like, <laughs> it does seem a little, a little cheesy, a little Disney channel. Then I would have been like, oh, okay. Fuck that then. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine abort, in that balance. Abort, abort. <clears throat> well, I think you did a fine job. I'm stoked that you're like putting this thing out and that you pursued it and just kind of getting to see it change over time and bounce back and forth and then getting to hear those kind of initial uh takes of of keisha doing her thing on on the tracks and stuff those first couple times you showed me and then getting it i, I got to be along for the whole ride yeah and then getting the to hear like paul's the, mixes and the demo all the way through to the end yeah and now just very interesting yeah, to hear the mastered i'm curious if you had um like an initial favorite and then if that changed after you heard like the final products man brush your teeth is i i think i kind of had what seems like a similar feeling to keisha when i heard that song i was just like fuck yeah like this is this is the one (laughs) interesting um but i think they they all sound killer and i think there's a lot of cool different textures and dynamics that that were put on it that and then there's the big fucking ripping guitars and and stuff still too yeah i can't help myself yeah why not i have my own studio what do you expect (laughs) from me i'm a guitar player i think i'm not just gonna throw in a giant yeah and i also got this like so much of the ep is you know i got the roads uh and then i got this bass six which is like a weird in hybrid instrument between a guitar and a bass and like brush my teeth was like written on the basics as was to how it was um 
yeah, you kind of had these game changer instruments yeah. for yourself in this yeah, process too with like the, the base six and and using the roads like yeah i remember you when you told me that and i'm gonna make this record just riding on this on this roads yeah the much. initial concept was vocals and roads only yeah and then yeah that fails quickly when you have a home studio with a bunch of other <laughs> toys that was the idea though yeah um well i encourage people to check it out and i'll put all the links in the episode notes it's not coming out till next week though, because I'm gonna put this out tomorrow. So we'll oh, have wow. a little, okay. we'll have a little, cool. So some, have some a exclusives. Well, they can they can check out in the meantime if they're interested. Yeah, put the link to to how it was the SoundCloud version, um, which is a little a little different than the record version. It's it's very compressed, um, but then the live brush my teeth as well. Yeah, I'll put that in available. the links because there is no. There is no social media for any of this madness, so I'll just no. pu- I'll just put the links for both of you so people can follow and also follow uh, Kiki and the Dowry, of course. For sure. Keisha's lovely music. Yeah, if people um, are interested in what's going on with the release and the show and whatnot, like I'm, I'm definitely posting about it. I'm sure Keisha will as well. So it's uh, the twentieth. The twentieth is the release, yeah. So is a week the release from tomorrow, and then when is the show? Uh, the show is set for April tenth, and they can uh, maybe uh, DM you or something if they want to. Maybe <laughs> I'm just gonna make it a rager at your your place. Well, your your Instagram the, uh, is like your personal Instagram is public, right? It is, yeah, yeah. It's Ajax Dude, we're a, Harrison. We're yeah. pretty much having a flyer right. party here. <laughs> Dan- Daniel post about it probably. Oh yeah, for sure, absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure there will be people here. Just I really hope that we don't have to turn anyone away. I don't think we will, um, but I'm sure it'll be a packed house. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so yeah, talking a little bit more about who's playing. Yeah, it's us opening up the night, doing the tracks live. Yeah, front to back. Yeah, and then Jacob Miller is yep. doing a set, and then Deadly. Yeah. Who I know nothing about. Really? Yeah, so I'm excited for that. You should be. Oh, yeah, Deadly is very cool. I'm trying to come yeah. to this party. <laughs> Deadly. Yeah. Amazing. We got really lucky with this lineup. Yeah, we got super lucky. Like I said, they were sort of people that they were like hopeful, like wish upon a star, like maybe they would be yeah. interested That's and available. Right. And they were just within 10 minutes of contacting them were like, yep, we're in. And it was, yeah, it was sort of a just came together super fast. It's a fun way to get to interact with people too, like the other musicians. I feel like during a house show because it's it is super laid back. There's not yeah a four hour prior load in time for sure. And, and this is going to be unplugged. Like I'm not mm. even doing vocal mics. Right. That's rad. So it's I like everybody really cool show up with your best like theater voice and project. And I think the crowd will be very respectful of that. But um, I've sort of wanted that intimate. This is about. Uh, it's a night in terms of the music. It's about the songs. Um, and I think you'll, you'll feel that more when it's just someone standing in front of you, like giving it to you straight. So for looking sure. forward to that. Cool, man. Um, I always feel super fortunate for, uh, some of the relationships I've developed doing this thing and getting to hang out with, uh, people I respect very much what they do musically, which is both of you, but it's also very cool uh to just be hanging still because you were you were like one of the first people andrew to hit me up to even do this podcast so 
200 yeah. fucking episodes later. What a trip. Is this your fourth appearance on the... Uh, yeah, uh, we've done like a couple Hammerhead or Brother Not Brother sessions. Yeah, I sat in on that one three, Kiki and then session. Sat in so, yeah, on the one with my two. fourth. My fourth I, appearance. This is my third. So your third? Yeah. So it's it's cool. Yeah, and you, Kiki was <laughs> you were episode like ten or eight or something. Ten, ten and, then and then somewhere in the hundreds. One hundred and twenty-five, I think, or something, or one hundred fifty. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. very cool. Wow. Though. And uh, out of that interaction of you hitting me up, you've uh, definitely become one of my best friends here and a dude I see often. And we have our fucking goofy podcast <laughs> right. that people can check out if they want to hear more about the fog and depression <laughs> and psychedelics <laughs> and the Bible. Yeah. Uh, oh, our uh, release show, EP release show, is on Good Friday. Oh, I texted nice. you this. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Was she, oh, yeah. she goes, Hell our yeah. release show is on the day that Jesus was crucified. <laughs> and I was like, rad. Yeah, dude. That's, That's amazing. so fitting. That's so good. So fitting. Um, well, like I said, I'll put the links in the episode notes. Um, Blue you. Maybe I'll create a, an Instagram page just oh, to... Yeah. I just want to say, I just want to say, just as one final note of like Keisha's sort of influence on the project, the name Blue You came from Keisha. That was her, that was her brainchild. Nice. Uh, which I'm super grateful for because I love it and I, I'm terrible Struggling to find a name. There's a story behind Naming that. projects. What is that? Yes, please do share if you... Yeah. Well... Andrew was like, yeah, we really should figure out a name for the project. I'm super open to ideas. Let me know, which I thought was really cool of him to be like, yeah, I'm open to suggestions, whatnot. Uh, well, I was out and about on the town in Portland. <laughs> <laughs> I had an Ezra Bell button on, a Kiki and the Dowry button on, a Jack Maybe button on, and a bird pin on a denim shirt, quite like what you're wearing tonight, Andrew. And uh, my my best friend, Jen, she's a baker. She brought me a brownie cookie from work. I ate it, and then I drank way too much, and I barfed up this brownie cookie on my shirt, oh, my gnarly. denim shirt. But I did that after I texted Andrew saying, hey, we should call it Blue You. And then Andrew didn't get the text or didn't see it. And the next time I saw him, like a week or two later, I was like, hey, did you get that text about that band name? He's like, what? And I was like, yeah, Blue You. He's like, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just like left hanging for a week. Yeah. Well, I was like, that's, you that's, maybe longer. that's like definitely from a, a night that I barfed a brownie cookie up on my shirt nice. in public. Classic. Yeah. Classic. Classic dour moment of inspiration. <laughs> and yeah, probably same for myself. If it were to come to me, it probably would be when I was drunk and full of brownie as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, Andrew, would you like to properly sail us out with a, an It's a Program? Oh, you... You have the audacity to tell me how to send it off? <laughs> it's a program. <laughs> it is a program. Uh, thanks for hanging. Uh, and stoked to share this music with up. Share this music up with everybody. And we're gonna play it out with the heartbreaker. Misaligned. Definitely one of my favorite jams on the on the EP. So uh, it's uh, it's called How I Hang My Head. Is that correct? That's the title of the this way thing. that I hang my head. The way that I hang my head. <laughs> I'm, See, I'm over here just thing. being like, yeah. that is correct. I don't <laughs> even know the name of my own goddamn EP. The way I hang my head from Blue You. This is uh, Misaligned. That's the Jelly James. And we'll catch you on the flip side, Portland. Thanks, Dan. I came home Thursday afternoon to tell you that we're misaligned.
It's a program. <laughs>